special day. We're mixing it up a little bit on this episode of Body and Wine Podcast. I'm still Charlie Gray, but the format of today's conversation is a little fun and involves learning. Learning? What? Yes, but fun learning with comic books. Just kidding, with graphic novels. Feminist graphic novels? What are those? Well, you'll find out. Listeners who've wanted to follow along with our feminist graphic novel book study have had the opportunity to seek out and read the following graphic novels. Persepolis by Marjan Sitrapi, Death Threat by Vivek Shraya, and Palestine by Joe Sacco. What's a graphic novel and what counts as a feminist text? Today, we'll learn about these forms through our in-depth analysis of books that explore memoirs, including a young girl growing up through the Iranian Revolution, a trans woman experiencing online death threats, and the lens of an American journalist storytelling through Palestine during the First Intifada. We also then look at a personal superhero by guest Patty from the dynamic and important podcast Medicine for the Resistance. Patty, along with my friend Jody Lynn, who got this group of rad women together, her insightful friend Julie, and myself enter into the moving pages of these authors' worlds. Get ready, get set, and read! I mean, listen! <laughs> Here we go. Please, we're so hungry. We're hungry for more. body of those listening is the temple of the Holy Spirit and together we desire and agree that it is in good health. Today's podcast was recorded in the Niagara region, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek, Ojibwe, Chippewa, Adirondack, and Haudenosaunee peoples, Treaty 381 territory. So hello and welcome to Body and Wine, conversations on sexuality and spirituality. I'm Charlie Gray, and I'm sitting here with a whole whack of new and old friends. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Hi. If, I'm Patty. Yeah, who wants to go first? <laughs> yeah, I'm Patty. Hello. I'm Jody Lynn, and I'm a white settler. I'm Irish, Scottish, Welsh, and I'm living in St. Catharines with my, my two-year-old daughter, and I'm currently taking some classes at Brock University, some English classes, and that's kind of what brought us to today's podcast. Uh, and I'm Julie, and I'm here to help out Julie Lynn. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> With our conversation. <laughs> okay, so I'm taking um, some English classes at Brock um, because I've decided to go to Teachers College. And in order to get my classes, I'm doing a directed studies course, so one-on-one with a professor. And so she's created a course called Bitch Lit, Feminist Comics, and Graphic Novels. Um, so this is a special topics, so half-credit course. And one of the assignments is to um, do some sort of creative piece. So I thought, why not bring some amazing folks together to think through some really good text. So we're looking at Persepolis, the story of a childhood, and Palestine by Joe Sacco, and Death Threat by Vivek Shraya. So these are the three texts that we're looking at, and then we're also going to talk about Patty's superhero. I do have a superhero. Oh, <laughs> yes, I'm excited to learn about this. 
yeah. amazing. It was inevitable. That's what my friend of mine said. So it was an, I told him I had a superhero, and he just, his, his response was like, it's inevitable. <laughs> that was, was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Then maybe it's a good starting point to think through or just talk about what is a feminist text then. Or okay, even also, yeah. what is a graphic novel also? So we'll turn to Julie. <laughs> Julie, what is a graphic narrative or a graphic novel? Well, I mean, it's I mean, it's a bit self-explanatory in the, in the word graphic novel, but basically, um, you know, it's a story that's uh, written in usually pictures and text, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them can have more of one than the other, but basically, if you have pictures in it that are helping to tell the story, and if it's more honestly kind of adult content right it's not just a a kid's picture book it's something that is um, a more kind of adult um, uh, form of literature Mm -hmm. in in the case of the ones we're looking at today they're all memoir in some way right Mm -hmm. so these are people's stories and this is the way that they've chosen to tell them there's something more visceral I think with having pictures right there's something that's more immediately understandable just by looking at a a, a drawing I never knew anything about graphic narratives before this class. I'm just starting to learn. But one of the things, I was reading Hilary Shute's article, and she's looking at Persepolis. And she was saying that feminist text, her feminist graphic uh, narrative, doesn't have to be about women. Mm-hmm. Feminist text could be about content, but it doesn't have to be the, only the content. We could also think about the form. So so how, like, the form mm-hmm. of how things are done can make a text feminist. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is an interesting question because all of the texts that we're using in this class are feminist texts and the description that's provided in the outline is written by women for women, Mm -hmm. looking at these social justice issues, challenging like dominant ideas of the more patriarchal superhero. Mm -hmm. But then Charlie recommended Palestine and that's a really interesting text. So the question was, well, is Joe Sacco's text, so written by an American journalist is this graphic a man yeah Yeah, sorry an american man Mm -hmm. who's a journalist is this could this text also be considered feminist Mm -hmm. so can men be feminist can they write feminist texts and his is more of a journalist kind of approach not necessarily a memoir but thinking just about methodology and form maybe thinking through like what is a feminist text yeah yeah I was thinking about this when I just scanned your questions earlier, and I don't know if this fits in formally with the feminist Mm -hmm. text description, but one thing I thought was interesting with the graphic novel experience that I was finding with these two, I only read the Palestine and Persepolis, not the death threat, but with these two texts was how the form in of themselves, my mind was not thinking linearly and wasn't forced to think linearly the way that it would in a novel which I don't know if that's necessarily feminist but it did seem to be breaking sort of like notions of how intelligence works or how we receive information because your eye is kind of jumping and it's made to jump and it's made to feel you know with like the different pictures that are evoked and Mm -hmm. um yeah so I don't know if that fits the feminist description but I definitely felt that form supported some of the maybe some of what's happening in like the feminist motives i think that you know feminism is kind of like one of the things asked is like why does it have to be this way Mm -hmm. right like people say there's a certain way to tell a story feminists will be like well why does it why does it need to be told that way and 
who does it support if it's being told that way and whose stories are not being told that mm-hmm. way, right? And especially Palestine, I think he does a lot of like kind of like outside the boxes, yeah. right? Like even in terms of, uh, you know, kind of comic booky stuff. And I think comic books in themselves maybe break form a bit more, but I felt definitely with Palestine, like there was just stuff everywhere. Yeah. And that also lends itself to kind of like the chaos of some of the situations, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, especially when there's like protests or there's, you know, police action or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we kind of feel that a bit in, in Persepolis too. And even in, in Death Threat, like that, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely things that like, like here I just opened up on, on this on this page 25 here that um, if you don't know what Death Threat is about, maybe I should just say that is Vivek uh, Shraya, who is. Is, um, a trans woman is getting um, these emails from somebody who's basically like, you know, you're a man and you should stop doing what you're doing, and like mm. things are getting kind of threatening. So Vivek is kind of like, you know, trying to think through these different things and also like dealing with these words, like what are these words kind of doing to her? And so on this page, there's some some text that says, you know, there, there you will see the earth, the, the um, atmosphere, outer space. You'll be absorbed by your physical gender. Likely that is male, right? So you've got kind of Vivek in the middle of this kind of masculine figure with like a bunch of swirling kind of planets and things going around there. And it's kind of chaotic. I mean, to me, that just shows like her dysphoria of being thought of as male, right? Mm-hmm. You don't really know what's going on. And I think that that's like a really good way of sometimes when you're a trans person, when you don't feel at ease, mm-hmm. right, in your body, like, you know, it feels, it's hard to explain dysphoria to people, right? Because mm-hmm. most people feel like at home in their bodies in some way. Like everybody has stuff that they don't like about themselves, but they don't feel like, I don't belong here. I, I don't it doesn't belong match here. up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, mm. you know, I think this picture kind of shows some of that chaos in like a way that you can't really explain in words. Right. Mm. I also just wanted to comment like the size of this panel. Right. Yes. Like a, page. a full page panel that's showing not only is it chaos, but it's like it's all consuming. It's such a dominant thing mm. that's happening in her life right now. Right. It's not like a small little square yeah. on the side. Yeah, I found that with all of them, just the way, like Persepolis, the way she used light and dark, mm. and especially like a lot of the panels at home, especially towards the end, it was always dark. Mm. You know, the, the back of the panel was black, and then when she was out, it was light, but it just, you could just feel home closing mm. in and closing in on her mm. before you know, be, before they sent her away. And in Palestine, it was every now and then, like the, the chaos of like the words just kind of being all over the page. Yeah. And you don't like really, your brain gets chaotic. And yeah. And you don't, and, yeah. and you know, and so with Persepolis, I was kind of feeling that, that, that visceral, you know, reaction to, to her world getting smaller and smaller. And then, you know, and then in Palestine, it was the, you, you know the chaos of the protest and then some of his panels he had almost like a river of words running through yeah, like almost like the thought processes yeah. And, yeah and it was just kind of like this diagonal river of words running through running through the panel that just kind mm. of pulled you through all of the other images like it was just like mm. i'm not a big i've read a few graphic novels um but it just reminded me what a powerful medium it is mm-hmm. for challenging the assumptions we make or even mm-hmm. like, like you talked about non-linear mm-hmm. because books are very linear you know a mm-hmm. to b to c you know unless you're reading joyce but yeah. nobody reads yeah. joyce on purpose yeah for a choose your own adventure novel <laughs> but yeah graphic you, you are getting pulled all over the place and i found with mm-hmm. death threat pulled me back and forth i found there were a lot of, of images where this is familiar and then I'd have to mm-hmm. flip back and see, oh, okay, so she's taking a similar image and now she's made it very sad. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You, you know, because it, 
you, you know, because she starts to take control of, oh, okay, well, if this is how you're going to be, I'm going to take control of what you're doing to me. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of amusing for this book. It's like, you know, and maybe this is even something I kind of came into graphic novels. I was, I'm never really like a comic book kind of person, right? Like just superheroes. I tend to like kind of like slice of life and memoir sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that stuff is written by women, right? And it's considered sort of like, you know, it's like everyday stuff. Sometimes that everyday stuff is like... It's intense. It's intense, mm-hmm. right? But I think there's something, like it's something that is not necessarily... Um, shown in books all the time or like people maybe not don't consider it important but it's like Mm -hmm. this getting stuff that is happening to you Mm -hmm. both in your everyday life and even like internally right out on a page Mm -hmm. and that's really powerful right Mm -hmm. and I think that's something else that like feminist texts do is that they take stories Mm -hmm. about kind of regular people Mm -hmm. and people write about themselves and um, they can become pretty big phenomenons right Persepolis um, I mean, they made a movie, right? The cartoon version. Of oh, it. I didn't know that. Yeah, so if you, <laughs> you can also check that out, and Perfect. it's quite well done too. Is it cartoon? If I can it's a cartoon. Or, okay. Yeah. So it's I'm it actually curious, holds though. like her kind of her style really well. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that that's a feminist thing, right? Like yeah. kind of mm-hmm. personal is political. The stuff that has happened to me matters, and that putting it out there and other people seeing that, like, yeah, that stuff has happened to me too, mm-hmm. right? Like reading Death Thread, like as uh, somebody who, um, you know, like I, I read a lot of graphic novels. I'm also a gamer, so there's a lot of harassment. That basically, if you're a woman on the internet with an with an opinion, if mm-hmm. you dare to say anything, a lot of people are met with like crazy harassment Mm. right um you know and death threats and rape threats and Mm -hmm. doxing which is like leaking your documents online Mm. you know like your social security number your address and stuff like that so i find it really powerful that she took this thing that was happening to her and she made a book out of it right and i think it's hilarious the one part in the book where like she gets a cease and desist letter from the guy who was sending her this stuff Mm. and she just like laughs in his face because it's like you sent this stuff like what what did you think you don't get to control it once it gets out there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and she and she takes that control and makes it yeah. into a book. Mm. Now I'll shut up for a little bit. It's <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. So yeah. like, so what we what we've talked about is like what is a feminist text, mm-hmm. right? What mm-hmm. kinds of issues are taken up and how are they taken up? And Julie's highlighting that using memoir or autobiography to think about how the personal experience is connected to the political experience, right? Like, so what are the larger social connections? How do we make meaning of this individual Mm -hmm. experience and connect it to larger social forces? So that's like one of the, I guess, like literary devices or themes in Persepolis. I am not the person taking English classes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I would say that that's one of the, one of the themes or like one of the, um, elements of a feminist text right would be Mm. doing that connection between the personal and the political right and then Mm. the the methodology of memoir Mm -hmm. and and sharing that that experience so these are all like what can help to make a text feminist but then we if we move back to joe sacco's and Mm. palestine what do we think about this text and could we maybe consider it to be a feminist text Mm. Um, so maybe Charlie, you could give us a little overview of what is this text about? What is this graphic narrative yeah. about? And then we could try to think through that question. Yeah, sure. So Palestine is a collection of I think nine or ten smaller, which way I think were initially labeled as co- the comic books, and then now are called more of a graphic novel in its completion by Joe Sacco, a journalist, as was mentioned. He's not Palestinian, but he went there during I believe the first Intifada, and kind of just documented his experience being there 
as an outsider, but as someone very curious and very interested in hearing people's stories. And did any of you read the the forward by Edward mm-hmm. Said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think was really well done. And yeah. Edward Said captured, yeah, a so lot of like, awesome wow, things. That's awesome. Yeah. Edward yeah. Like I know. Yeah. <laughs> You've been successful, I think, as a yeah. journalist or a writer, if Edward Said has done a forward for you. But yeah, so I think essentially, like, he kind of, I mean, the book seems quite scattered. And I think, again, that's intentional because, well, there are many beautiful places in Palestine where you can find peace, but it is a complicated situation and it is a hot mess, you know, and he shows a lot of those complications just by walking through in the book itself, different cities and situations and stories. And he kind of highlights so many different facets of how complicated the situation is just by him walking and talking to people. So yeah, it's kind of just a snapshot of, in a way, a couple of months of his experience in Palestine, and yet he's highlighting things that, as I read it, are still extremely relevant today yeah. and very applicable, unfortunately. Yeah. So in a way, they're hopefully not timeless, <laughs> but they're very relevant still yeah. in terms of what that situation is, and in many ways it's worsened. So yeah, and it is interesting. And in terms of it being a feminist text, I don't know, I'm curious to know what other people think about that well yeah. when I was reading uh, say his introduction mm-hmm. he was talking about like memory and forgetting and remembering mm-hmm. and that was a theme also that came up a lot in Persepolis right like mm-hmm. don't forget um, mm-hmm. she kept being to- told don't mm-hmm. forget don't forget you need yeah. to remember be authentic to yourself be authentic to yourself yeah. know our history know our family mm-hmm. history right and so that the importance of memory and telling that story and sharing that story and so that was mm-hmm. um, that was also kind of echoed in Palestine in the introduction right so I was thinking okay yeah like what is being forgotten what are we remembering Mm. and then also this idea of testimony right like he's bearing witness through Mm -hmm. through this text and he's offering this testimony Mm -hmm. about what he is seeing of course it's it's not the representation of himself so much as the representation of Mm -hmm. of the other Mm -hmm. the other Mm -hmm. person's experience so it's different than Persepolis and death threat Mm -hmm. Well, I was just thinking, because I, I was thinking about that question as I'm reading it, you know, is this a feminist text? I'm thinking, well, it's okay, it's a man writing a story about men and men mm-hmm. and men, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then, and then it was just kind of funny where, where you, you cut it off at the end of chapter five, because that's where he sits down with the women. Yeah. And, I mean, there are women earlier in the text there's um you know the mothers of the sons um you know there's the wives of the husbands you're like and and they don't just exist as spouse of you know they're they're in their own you know and he he looks at their you know what how these things are affecting them uh he talks about the the woman who had been taken in and and was tortured for a period of time and Mm -hmm. i found this i found this really relentless Mm, really relent you know really i really thought that okay i should have read this first Mm. should not have read this last Mm. (laughs) maybe Mm. you know uh, because i found it really it just keeps going and i mean my mom has been to palestine we've got palestinian friends and so uh, Mm. she went to palestine for two weeks Mm. on our podcast we talked with uh, two indigenous women who went to palestine as part of a delegation related to no more stolen sisters Mm. so they went to palestine and they're now hosting um palestinians on six nations Uh, so you know building you know building those relationships Mm. And, and it's very much a parallel experience Mm -hmm. one of the things that terry had said was that it's 
18th century colonialism with 21st century technology yeah Yeah. um Mm -hmm. you know you know and really what would colonization have looked like in canada Mm -hmm. if they had had that kind of tech Mm -hmm. in the 15 and 1600s Mm -hmm. you know that's what's happening in palestine and and my mom i I was raised evangelical so you know israel can do no wrong (laughs) you know um and so then for her to make wind up making friends with Palestinians, mm. Muslim Palestinians, yeah. and then for her trip to the Middle East to not be going to Israel, but going to Palestine right. and to have her friend tell her, I want you to notice that they treat you differently than they treat me. I want you to notice. And, mm, and, and you know, and then for her to come home and have had this experience of, of Palestine wow. living with people and then to see it, yeah. you, you know, in this text and to see it drawn out and just feel that you know, like that river through people's thoughts and mm. the tiny pictures of, you know, when they're, de- he, when he's detailing the torture and, yeah. and it's like little tiny pictures. Yes. Um, yes. Just to show you just, I think how, well, relentless is just the word I keep coming back to. But then he comes to these women that he sits down with and the women are looking forward. Mm-hmm. The men are trying to survive mm-hmm. and trying to, how are we going to, how, how are we going to get through this occupation? How, you know, they're resisting, they're mm-hmm. pushing back, there's protests, women are participating in the protests. But then you've got this group of women, but what are we surviving for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we going to bring forward? Because it's not always going to be this way. Yeah. So what are we, what are we surviving for? And that's actually something that I've been exploring a little bit on social media too, is it's all well and good to resist and push back mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and, you know, crack, make jokes about guillotines and burning down the system. Mm-hmm. But are we going to be a people worth surviving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, are we, we like, our... like, are we, are we, are we worth it? And that's, you right. know, from Battlestar Galactic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we never idea remember you know, who you are. Yeah, we never you, you know, like it, we've never asked ourselves are you know, are we worth saving? Mm. And are you know, and that's what these women are getting at and then he kind of goes off with, you know, now back to being one of the boys. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was a really interesting interlude. Yeah. That he put that in there as a mm. Well, and it's kind of in the center and you know, it's kind of anchoring anchoring mm-hmm. everything and so yeah i was thinking well babe maybe it is a feminist text mm-hmm. because he takes the trouble to put that mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of all of this other chaos is what are we holding on to what are we surviving yeah. for what are we going to bring forward when this chaos is over mm-hmm. there's such a, a such a good observation so as a character Julian and I were talking earlier yeah. about how he drove us nuts, but and then yeah. he said, like, I'm like, man, this guy is a jerk. I know. Like, yeah, yeah. But I kind of like that he's honest about himself in a way. Yeah. yeah. Like, a bit. It's hard for me with, with this text because I'm like, because my initial reaction is like, you know, if you're talking about a bunch of oppressed people mm-hmm. and you're showing what is actually happening mm-hmm. and it's a story that we don't get to hear, like, I want to say that that is feminist in some way because I think that's what feminism is trying to say like look like you know this is this is how the system hurts people you know system always has patriarchy at its core Um, but reading this book i was like i'm like i don't know if this is Mm -hmm. right because and there's a few things one is that like joe is kind of a jerk and on one hand maybe he's being honest but on the other hand like some of it just felt like kind of mean Mm -hmm. like there's like one part where he's like complaining that like every place he goes they give him tea Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's because they're refugees. And that's like literally the only thing they have to like offer you yeah. in hospitality, yeah. right? Yeah. Is, you know, tea and like, you know, the heater. 
And that's like, also like, a very how, cultural thing. Like, to yeah. Get tea mm-hmm. and, and, but it was like, how much privilege do you have that you're complaining about tea? Yeah. Right? Like, I, yeah. I, and, and so I was just kind of like, there's not a lot of self-reflection I find mm. in the book. And maybe that's like one of the things that I also find as like feminists is like, yeah. where is your place in the system? It's like, yes, he's in Palestine and he's, he's a journalist. Mm-hmm. So he's telling these people's stories mm-hmm. and they're important. But he's not really in it himself, hmm. right? Like he, there's a couple of situations where it's like he can leave because yeah. of who he is. That yeah. he's not a Palestinian. Yeah. For me, there's a bit of disconnect there because, like, really, like this is his job. There's even parts where he's like, "You're doing this for the comic," <laughs> right? Yeah, like, but I think yeah. and it's, okay. so I want to like, play devil's advocate. It's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I also. It's, <laughs> like, it's like you're doing it for the comic. You're not doing it to tell these people. But oh. yeah, go go. Okay, ahead. so I don't know. Mm. I think that. As authors make choices, like why is he making this choice of self-representation? Mm-hmm. So why is he choosing to represent himself as, mm-hmm. as a, his own mm-hmm. character in this way? Mm-hmm. And so I was seeing it more as like, um, like I had some points where it's like he makes a mockery of himself. Yes, right. That's more what he I makes meant it, with yeah. the self-reflection that yeah. he's aware of his idiocy sometimes. I think he's mm-hmm. constructing his character to represent the West. Mm-hmm. And it's like irony. So mm-hmm. he's in. I don't know that this is actually absolutely authentic thoughts that he's having, or if he's just taking on a persona of the West to contrast how much the West doesn't care. Yeah. Like he's yeah. like that typical American where he's like, what were the examples? Like the open relationship thing was he, one. Oh, I yes. I think in a way. He didn't yeah. need to put that in the graphic novel, but he still said, like, he chose to name that he was in this dysfunctional open relationship, and it probably shocked this other. Sorry, well, because they're talking, they, they were talking about the West's perception that Middle Eastern men are, you know, that it, that it's all very repressed, yeah. and, and and he's recognizing that he's so open, and yet this thing completely traumatized him. So maybe we're not doing this right either. Right? You know? Yeah, that just came up as an example of what yeah. I thought you were. And being. like how the whole, it's, it seemed like the whole graphic. He's he's seeing he's he's off he's writing testimony or he's bearing witness to these horrible things that are happening mm-hmm. and then he'll make some slight comment like ah but i didn't get the photo i really need the photo to sell the comic where's mm-hmm. the violence i need it mm-hmm. or then he'll be like he'll, he'll observe something and then he'll say ah oh, but then again maybe the police isn't actually chasing that man maybe they're just a for a jog mm-hmm. like this like these strategies or these choices to show like the disconnection yeah. and like the the disinterest that the West has, and so mm-hmm. he, yeah, he's there for himself. But is, is it really him, or is it him rep- creating a character of himself to represent the Western individualism and not caring really? But was ha- even when there and being exposed to it, we just mm-hmm. don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what one of the things that I was thinking about and then he even said like on page 71 he's like I'm a vulture mm. right yeah. and like even so I, I just I have these like little notes about the whole time like just mocking himself yeah and right? I think oh com- mission accomplished yeah. right he talks about that <laughs> in chapter one and he's like oh I need this photo and I yeah. need to um, like he's using sarcasm a lot right yeah and I think the complaints for T I took it as uh, an awareness that that's a silly thing to complain about kind yeah. of that was just my interpretation yeah. see i don't know like part of that like because it's a silly thing it's almost like mm-hmm. this graphic all is so heavy mm-hmm. that he wanted to inject some uh, humor somehow yeah. because it is heavy yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it which, is it's which really it's intense i can understand too right but i don't know there's well, just something but that's also yeah. very western too yeah. right like we can't Handle. Well, and it's not his they story can't, to they tell it from They don't get out of that intensity, yeah. right? Yeah. This is their life. And then yeah. for my friends who are Palestinian, although they're living here, mm-hmm. their family is all yeah. back in Ramallah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
even though they're here, that intensity is still yeah. is still part of their life, and I can go back to whatever it is that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they well, can't. he can disconnect his heart and his mind. Yeah, and just be there yeah. for the task, right? Yeah. Well, and I I have a couple of thoughts on that too. Like I Western think that patriarchal um, sort of thing, right? Yeah, like, just do the job. Definitely, yeah. and I think that's where I mean, as someone who's been in and out of Palestine. I think in a way, if he at least was going to tell these stories and he thought they were, it was worthy to tell all of these different stories, I think I would be more critical if he told the stories not from his own perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So he, in a way, I think is telling the only story that he can tell potentially in this situation, unless he's going to do a little bit more of a like journalistic report on what's going on, more mm-hmm. fact-based or whatever, because this was his personal experience. So yeah, I do think in a way he's using himself as a bit of a role to showcase everything and that's going to be more of an honest depiction of his experience because yeah. if he was to say like here's what's going on there but like from like create a character that was from Palestine and he's maybe it wouldn't be that accurate yeah. it's not his story to tell well, and, yeah, and, and the western journalist is that is his story exactly yeah you yeah. know so telling a Palestinian story we've, we've got centuries of white people totally. telling indigenous yeah. stories right. telling telling right. you know black stories and it, exactly. it's not their story to tell. no and the other and, thought i had and, and that could be a device too like maybe you're supposed mm. to hate him because it's not his story exactly yeah he's, i think he's, he's kind of supposed to be annoying a bit yeah. i like mm-hmm. i don't like him but i like that i don't like him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if this is related to it being feminist or not but i do think there's something to the fact that well i think this is like a two-part thought on the one hand the commentary about how many men are in there Mm -hmm. i think it's a really interesting thing to point out and it's hard to miss i think if anyone reads this book and they don't realize how many men are in there then they're very submerged in the patriarchy (laughs) um but that is extremely truthful in its representation of that region and not just palestine it's very representative of the people that he would have had access to Mm -hmm. like potentially the women being so few and far between is just because he wouldn't be allowed to meet a lot of yes. them or just wouldn't have been able to, right? Like a lot of, there are amazingly strong Palestinian women, 100%, but in terms of the streets and if you're a guest in someone's home and the traditions and values that are in place there and the situation in general, he wouldn't have had access to that. And also street depictions are quite accurate in terms of who the shop owners are, who's doing yeah. uh, the work outside of the house. and. And that, in a way, I don't know if it's a feminist text, but you can have a hugely feminist analysis of, like, well, what's happening there? Like, both in terms of the extremely oppressive patriarchy of Israel right now, then also all of these different implications that that has. Like, when people are put in various forms of oppression, some of the, especially patriarchal oppression, how that kind of manifests in different ways. So I don't know if that makes the feminist, this text a feminist text, but you can have a, a very good analysis, yeah. feminist analysis of yeah. it. Yeah. That was definitely one thing, like, I was like, I, I don't want to, like, get on him that, like, maybe you just have one chapter about women, because I'm like, but this is also a cultural thing. Like, there mm-hmm. is a lot of separation for various reasons. Mm-hmm. So... Like, I didn't want to get on him on that, because like you said, he might only have access to men. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the fact that he does try to have a chapter that's focusing on women Mm -hmm. is probably in response to that being like, Mm -hmm. I should talk to some of these women, like, I need to figure out how to do that. Mm -hmm. And it shows a problem if he doesn't have access to that many women also. Well, and he makes a point of acknowledging the various impacts, right, from 
you know, from the wives and, and daughters up to this woman who was, you know, who was taken and tortured. Mm. So he does make a point of making yeah. sure that they're present. That, mm-hmm. that one woman he talks about who was tortured, he was like, she's a badass. Like, yeah, <laughs> she scares me. Yeah. He doesn't talk about any of the men in that way. Like, he, he's just, like, in awe of, like, how much, like... Mm-hmm she like told off the people mm-hmm. who who were torturing her mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. and she was just like quick-witted and like to me like that said a lot because he you could tell he really respected her and it wasn't just like lip service right mm-hmm. like he was like holy crap like this woman like went through all yes, this mm-hmm. right do you want to come over here and have a hug mm-hmm. we're gonna have a hug break Aww. come on over hug there. break <laughs> <laughs> Two girls, ready for i feel hug. like you need a little oh, no, the musical hug. interlude yeah. there <laughs> Yeah, and was it here where they talked about laughter or was that Persepolis? I feel like someone talked about the need for laughter and I forget if it was in Palestine and that being like important. I just remember. Yeah, we're talking about in healing, right? Yeah. It's part of that, like, because one of the things is like about how these three different texts are talking about themes of trauma and recovery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like, using that laughter as a way yes. of. Of dealing with the trauma mm-hmm. and like entering into like healing, right? Yeah, and actually, that's something in terms of the the healing and even hope that was brought up earlier. I like how in Edward Said's um, preface he talked about this also that something that Joe does and maybe in a way Persepolis does also. He doesn't represent the situation at the end necessarily with this like and it's all fine and here's the yeah. big resolution you know it's just like it's not here it it's is still yeah. yeah there's like some glimmers of yeah laughter and hope and things that get people through but there's ultimately a lot of mess still and like yeah. that it's not necessarily all tied up in a bow mm-hmm. at the end yeah, yeah. well death mm-hmm. rat does that as well mm-hmm. i mean you start moving towards what you think is one kind of resolution and then no and then there's no there there is no happy ending and you think there will be and then because she's taking control, mm-hmm. and then and sometimes it it is like that with trauma. Yeah, there is no happy ending. Yeah, and um, it just it just is. And I'm so tired of people who always say, "Oh, you know, well, I'm so thankful that this horrible thing happened to me because now this good thing has happened uh, in my life." And I'm like, "No, that's just such a horrid." Yes, you you know, yes, I have certain character qualities, or you know, tolerance for things because of trauma that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. But I'm not thankful to that trauma for giving that to me. No, right. I'm, I'm like, yeah. you know, what happened happened, yeah. and there's nothing anybody can do about it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to, I'm going to accept the fact that I now have these capacities that maybe I could have got a different way, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe I could have yeah. because you know other people have these capacities and they didn't experience traumas, right? right. You know, so this idea that like I'll take the silver lining, but I'm not grateful. But for I'm not grateful. Go- exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm glad that I've got these teachings I can take from it. But that doesn't make the thing necessary or good in any way. And so that... But it's just that kind of weird mm. new agey therapy yeah. idea. Yeah. You know, those memes that yeah. come across my Facebook yeah. periodically yeah. that make me want to punch people. But it's also like this, like, linea- <laughs> this like linearity of experience. Like, yeah, as if, well, like, now we're back the to past- the linear, yeah. Yeah, and that's maybe the good thing about these these books is that it shows the complexity and kind of the messiness. That and I think that's very... Fuck reality. I had a question about trauma and healing and recovery and all of that and how that's represented in um, Death Threat. What struck me was it was almost like so this, the experience was told twice. Yes. Mm. Right? So I wanted, ah. I wanted to think about that. So the first half of the graphic narrative is where Vivek is sharing 
that she's receiving this death threat and she's being harassed. And this man is saying to her, um, oh, you're really a man. You're harming your mom. You're not supposed to be living this way. And then the second half is where Rebecca shares her experience again, but in a different way, like kind of the working through of that. So I was wondering if we could talk about that. Like what, what effect did that have on you as you're, as you're reading this? And what, what were your thoughts on that? And did it strike you that, well, this looks really familiar. Like I just read about your experience and I'm rereading about your experience. Well, it just, it just the, um, the actual authorship of the book is allowing me to process it. And I think no, that's why I feel differently one. about about this and Persepolis versus Palestine. Right? Because one. Palestine, it's more like, because he's a journalist, so it's more reporting, and that's important. Mm. Whereas, like, you know, Death Threat and, and Persepolis, I feel like, you know, the author is processing Not through, like, the stuff and how it happened to mm -hmm. them. And maybe both the good and bad things, especially in, in Persepolis. Like I think, like she shows how she was a brat <laughs> sometimes yeah. to her parents. Totally, who are, who yeah. are also I loved dealing her. With this. I loved her so much. Yeah, she oh, was yeah. awesome. Well, she was one hundred percent their fault. Yeah, her, brat, her brattiness was 100% their fault because well they themselves were always the talking yeah they were yeah. always talking they were talking revolution yeah, yeah you know probably, practically from the cradle right. so like 10 year old was reading marks like, I know like, and then all these revolutionaries and like what yeah so I mean I, I look at my yeah. own at my own kids that are all engaged with social justice actions in various ways and yeah I mean they've been coming to protest since they were in strollers yeah. so yeah it's 100% my fault so <laughs> when so they learn to fight back whatever like, bail money they need from? i'll i'll cough it up eventually mm. you know because it's my fault but yeah she is 100 percent mm. her parents fault because they're always talking resistance and revolution mm. and i can't speak for mm. iran but in terms of some of the areas i know in the middle east it's also it's parents fault but also cultural because yeah you're not your society is not only going through something so you're kind of faced to talk about those things but especially in palestine revolution is inbred in terms of like remember who you are we are taking what we can and what's ours and you know we're we are claiming this land like it is our our thing and we will resist until we get some sort of peace out of this kind of thing and so resistance becomes a part of identity it's but they context. were also resisting against they had to a, you know well i mean you a lot of I mean? people went along yeah Right. I right. mean, because it was an internal, yeah. you know, it was an internal thing. Um, so a lot of people went went along with right. the state. Or were in secret, kind of. You know, yeah. went, you know, um, yeah, with, with the religious stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You know, so for them to be constantly pushing back mm. and then eventually needing to get her out because it had just become reached a point. It had just become too dangerous for mm -hmm. her to be there. So, yeah, I mean, she was kind of raised in this. You know, but this, you know, how it got home. So I just yeah. wanted to come back to what you were saying about about reading it through again, because yeah. what I because I saw the the parallel in it with death threat with death threat. Yeah, mm -hmm. sorry, I wasn't I wasn't sure how to read this second parallel where they're reading in the book and she talks about your hunting. You hunted me down which was the te what she had said earlier was you had hunted me down. Sorry, there's going to be spoilers in this one <laughs> you, it, because he shoots her in this second one and I wasn't sure if that was metaphorical or if he was mad that she'd ignored his cease and desist okay. like I wasn't I wasn't sure how to I'm pretty sure it's metaphorical I wasn't sure how to read that it just made me really sad mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's metaphorical I don't think she was actually mm -hmm. physically well because she's alive to read the book are they um, two different 
tellings of the exact same story? Like, is that what So, it is? the first, uh, the way that I was um, reading it is that the first part, portion, was, this is the experience, this is me um, at home, alone, receiving these messages and being impacted by this harassment. Mm. And we see a lot of, like, alone scenes, mm. trying to engage with her life, play guitar, mm. and engage with her life, but, but suddenly those images of her own life shift into images that really focus in on like the computer and the and the phone and like mm. it's almost even at one point the online world the almost. online world starts to take over and this harassment oh. and this like violence that she's being threatened with mm. is taking up more and more and more space mm. like literally the panels become larger as well mm. right and then it gets this moment where things transition and the story is being told again you're like oh I, you just told me this story huh. you just shared your experience now you're sharing the experience of I saw it as now you're sharing the experiences of working through that trauma and that's when mm. she leans into her friend um, Ness and they partner to create this comic so we see the process mm. of how the graphic novel comes to be and how Ness starts to do the images mm. and how they start to take it like to coffee shops to share it and do like mm. public readings you know mm. so I was seeing that as like here's the trauma mm -hmm. in the first part of what's happening and then the second half is okay here's how I leaned into community and started to like move into more like healing and like what is mm. how do you heal from this and what does recovery look like and is public speaking at and having and producing this yeah is that process and, part of that healing yeah. yeah well even the the difficulty of like getting it done right like because yeah. at one point it's like if you don't get this published by whatever like mm. if you don't send it to me by this it's not going to be public or whatever. Mm. but it shows like the contrast of like you know the publishing world is like you know it's capitalism yeah. it's western mm -hmm. it's like you have deadlines you have to get things done mm -hmm. You know, whereas it's like if you're going through trauma, like it's gonna take as long as it takes. Yeah. And, gonna, and it's mm -hmm. difficult to do. It's yeah. not just a book. Right. This is me this working is a through. Process. Yeah. yeah. This is me working through this terrible thing mm -hmm. um, that you, publisher, company, don't really understand, right? Yeah. And you're but we'll still gonna make money from. off. Yeah. Though. But we'll exactly. still profit from, yeah. right? And, and and then sharing that process, like the whole second half was like sharing that yeah. process of working through. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And Persepolis, like she seems really defiant in a lot of ways I mean, even to the point like the the one point where she gets stopped by one of the i always want to call her a nun because i'm catholic but like kind of like oh the guardians you, yeah, yeah what are you wearing yeah. right like like and, and they're gonna drag her off and she yeah. managed to talk her way out of it oh that yes was probably like the closest that she ever got to like really being harmed yeah. was there and up until that and that's when her parents kind of realize like we have to get her out of here or she's mm -hmm. going to talk herself into trouble yeah right in in this one like she's kind of shows like the, the hurt in death threat she's showing the hurt yeah with vivek like she's showing like there's like a lot of pain mm -hmm. like i mean even the cover right mm -hmm. like where she's like mm -hmm. cut in half by the message by the message right mm -hmm. and especially like with like online harassment like you know basically if you're not like a you know a straight white man mm. the response the response by straight white men is basically like you know grow a thicker skin mm. everybody gets harassed on the internet yeah. mm. but it's like yeah like i mean sure you might get an occasional message but it's like women in particular yeah. trans women yeah. queer women they just get bombarded with mm. stuff and like how can it not get to you right mm -hmm. at, at some point mm -hmm. and i think it's really in a lot of ways like you know, brave of her to like write this book about it because mm 
Yeah. So like or she's she's gonna get more of that. She's gonna get more of that. Right? So so what do you think that she's asking us to rethink as readers? Mm. Like if we're thinking about like methodology, what do you think the author is asking us to rethink for all of them? Like what are we being asked to rethink? Mm. Like or what's the intervention of this? Why is text? the story being told in a yeah, way for like, us? Exactly. Hmm. Representation was brought up a little bit. I was curious actually about all of your thoughts, at least with Palestine and Persepolis, they're both Middle East and I found them both powerful stories because they really, I think, did kind of highlight and talk directly about like media representation of those regions and countries mm-hmm. specifically. And even like, maybe I'm more talking about Edward Said than Joe Sacco, <laughs> but Edward Said talks about how like in his foreword, he mentions like Palestine was almost impossible to even talk about in the public discourse for a long time because people would say Palestinians don't even exist, mm-hmm. right? right? Let alone yeah. even having a conversation about My it. My whole childhood. Right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I guess in a way that that's a key takeaway that I have as a reader is just representation. It's just like, mm-hmm. here's an insider's insight into mm-hmm. a perspective or some perspective right. of, mm-hmm. of what's going on in a way that's very different from media representation. Yeah. Because all three of these stories are what's told in kind of the broader, you know, broader society, media news, books, you know, fiction, movies, everything, you know, the way these stories are told is very different, Mm -hmm. you know, from the way that, from the way that these stories are told. Um, You you know, the Palestinian story I'm a little more familiar with because of my friends, you know, because of some conversations I've had. Mm -hmm. The Iranian story I knew a little bit about, Mm -hmm. you know, I had some familiarity with, you know, because a friend whose husband is Iranian, you you know, the, the trans story is to a large degree foreign territory for me that's I have some friends but we're not you you know they're social media friends you know so they're not people that I have a lot of day-to-day interaction with uh, you know like it's real but it's two-dimensional real like it's like I don't want to say that they're fake relationships because they're not fake um they're they're real um but it's a it's a two-dimensional kind of reality Mm -hmm. so it it, it, it's a little different so you know so all of these for me were there was an emotional connection made, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. and I think that that emotional connection came from the form, from mm-hmm. the fact of yeah. the graphic mm-hmm. novel. Definitely. Because of the way the pictures are, because of the way, you know, the nonlinear way that things, that your eye is kind of scattered mm-hmm. and drawn back across the page, and it creates this kind of really emotional... Yeah. Like, vis- I felt visceral, vi- when I was Visceral impact. Yeah. 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 I was very sad that I was reading that this morning. Oh. I was like, I should not have read this one last. Oh. <laughs> I did not realize. Mm. It was like just Every this relentless. Mm. It just kept going and going. Mm. And, and all three texts focus, in, like, bring us into the day-to-day life. Yes. Yeah, the intimate. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's intimate, right? Mm. You're really able to get into the day-to-day life yeah. and then see the, the impact or the effect of that. Yes. Yeah. And it's like and it's like it's it's intimate and it's personal, which is like counter to like if we're talking about the Middle East, you know, our our images of the Middle East mm-hmm. are very so not intimate and personal. No, right? Like they're very and they're just, controlled. Yeah, they're they're yeah they're very controlled and they're all sort of generalized into yeah. one thing, right? Like false. people don't understand what the difference is between Egypt and and Iran and totally. Iraq and. You know, you know the UAE or whatever, right? Um, like mm-hmm. we all think those places are the same, which mm-hmm. of course they are not. 
with Persepolis, like, um, I know a bit more about, like, the overthrow, so that's kind of, like, where it starts in the book. Yeah. But the whole revolution that happened in 1970, because there's a, there's a video game that's called Black Friday in 1979, mm. and you can play it on, like, your phone or whatever. Mm. Um, so you might be interested in that, since you're really interested in Palestine. Yeah. Um, Although I don't know if I can handle it. <laughs> Charles, it's, inter- <laughs> it's, it's an interesting game, because it's, like, you have the point of view of, like, you're, you are, um, Iranian per- person, probably who identifies more as Persian, right? Mm, that mm, even has layers of sure. identification. And you're taking pictures of stuff, right? Mm. And you have friends who are like in the resistance, but like even finding out like there's all these different like groups, like just like the fundamentalists, and there's like these people, and then there's these wow. people, and they all have like different kind of agendas and things that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I remember playing that game, I was like, I didn't know any of this wow. right like so it I, became educational yeah like. and so i think this is also what these what these books do this is the reality and this is like part of like what i think is like something that's feminist it's like it's not the filtered what mm-hmm. you're getting yeah. the news yeah the the story that you know the yeah. majority wants you to know because it serves their interests mm-hmm. right like this is like this is what is actually happening to people yeah and you know being able to see all of these different narratives mm-hmm. helps paint a picture of the messy reality mm-hmm. of what is actually happening Oh, and that's and that's important and to me that's yeah. that's feminist mm-hmm. yeah and i was just thinking one of the last things you said at least with death threat and persepolis like is taking power of their personal story even if someone else's story is different that's awesome because yeah. that's somebody else like mm-hmm. taking power and especially for you know women and trans folks that's a feminist act in of itself in a lot of ways right like reclaiming power or finding space to kind of tell someone's story and Another thing I was going to say, too, and this might not be feminist in form, but more in analysis, but one thing I thought about with Palestine and Persepolis as well is that, like, a common misconception in the Middle East, of the Middle East in general, is that people, oftentimes, what I found, a lot of people that I talked to in North America kind of have this perception that the Middle East has, first of all, yeah, again, is one place that is all general, which is so false, but has been as conservative as many of the countries are kind of forever like um and that's extremely not true for a lot of the countries or regions or different populations that you know the comment was made in both books like my parents wore mini skirts right and my friends in egypt and palestine say that all the time that their parents wore mini skirts and that wasn't it's not just a flippant thing to say it's like you know 20 30 40 years ago liberalism was huge in its own form in the Middle East and leftist people movements rock and roll hippy dippy people reading like you know you saw the the books and like the thinkers that yeah Yeah. was reading and so I think that's also just interesting to note as well that like both stories show really well the shift like with power brought a lot of change in terms of there being certain levels of equality that used to exist in some forms that it wasn't always like what you see in the news is just kind of like, well, it's always been like that because yeah. that's how it's portrayed, and that's yeah. just not true. Like, yeah. actually, um, different forms of imperialism and colonialism have made things more conservative in mm-hmm. recent years, mm-hmm. some of which has been caused by the West. So, yes. So, I wanted to ask Abby about your superhero. Ooh, yeah. Because, like, oh, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> one of the things that I was hoping we could do is think about, like, how these texts all fit together. We're kind of like, why are we bringing these three texts together? But then there's also your superhero so we can maybe you could share a bit about that like what is that okay so I mean I have these different things I have this podcast I have this fundraiser and I really liked there's a a Cree superhero Equinox I think she's DC 
I think she's DC. Yeah, because I was very sad because the Marvel movies are really good. And if Equinox ever gets made into a movie, it's going to suck. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be DC. Because it's oh. a DC. Anyway, so on Twitter, I'm, you know, Jay uh, Ojik and I follow each other. He's an illustrator and a comic book writer. And, and so I just randomly messaged him one day to say, hey, would you design me a superhero? Because I'm mm. starting, you know, I've got this podcast. I've got this fundraiser. And I was explaining it to him. And I can't be using Equinox because she's a licensed character. Right. So I need my own superhero nice. because I really liked the idea uh, of being a superhero. I really like I mean, I like the Marvel movies. I don't read the comics, but I love the movies because I love the, um, I like the idea of superheroes and the way that they're trying so hard to make the world a better place, right? You know, and and they, sometimes they suck at it and they're not always good guys. Um, although they might be on the side of good, they're not always good guys. Um, but they're always guys. They're all, they're all, they're often, often guys. Some of them are women, but yeah, they're they're often guys, but they're also, they're tricksters in, in, in a way. Right. I mean, they're tricksters, uh, you know, and and most indigenous traditions have a really strong understanding of trickster and tricksters are neither good nor bad. They're just their appetite, their ego, their, you know, which may be why they're mostly men, (laughs) 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 you know. And so I wanted I wanted my own superhero. And so I just thought that Jay would like, oh, okay, And off he would go and he would draw me a picture. And he's like, okay. And so he agreed to do this. Told me how much it would cost. And I cried a little bit and told him I'd be back after I sold some skirts. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went back because I never question an artist on what they charge for something. Like I never dicker with an artist. So I went back about a month later. Okay, I'd sold enough skirts. I could afford the superhero now. And he said, and I had to come up with a whole backstory for her. Nice. Like, how did she get her powers? Who is she? What does she want? What's her name? And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I thought not, you were doing the work. Yeah. I did not know there would be homework. Yeah. I had to think about this and had to think about well, who is she and what's her name and how did she so I wound up coming up with this whole backstory that now this other friend is gonna help me actually turn into a book someday. Cool. <laughs> a book or like well, a graphic, graphic novel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some someday. Because she does now have this really cool backstory. Mm. Um but she's the morning star and uh because that that's what my father named me is the morning star mm-hmm. and so she's she's the morning star the morning star is actually um not a star the morning star is the planet venus uh but she reflects mm-hmm. she okay. reflects light so she doesn't have any power of her own mm-hmm. but she reflects Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and wow. so that's, you know, you know, so then I, I learned that. And so I thought, well, that was kind of a cool thing. There's nothing, she doesn't have anything inherent in herself, mm. but she reflects. And when she's reflecting, she can see things. So she can see in a lot of indigenous traditions, the morning star is connected with the thunders. With the thunder beings, you know, and so that was, you know, so she has some connection with the thunder beings. And so then Jay was like, oh, okay, I can work with that. I can yeah. work with that. Wow. And so he went off and he drew this and he drew this great picture. And, and the first picture he sent me, she's really thin and angular and angry. Yeah. And, and I was like, a little softer, a little squishier. Yeah. <laughs> you know, could you, you know, soften her up, soften her up a little bit. That's so interesting. Yeah. That is, he's that he What's yeah, it? he's Algonquin. He's Algonquin. Yeah, he did bear for breakfast. An indigenous woman superhero. Yeah, yeah. So he did bear for like breakfast his, okay. with uh, Robert Munch and Blackfly. 
So, and, and his first representation was, like, super skinny. Yeah, angular. she was, well, because that was part of what I said, was a typical superhero look. Oh, you wanted to. That was what, that, right. like, okay. and so okay. I didn't know what that meant. Okay. <laughs> because I don't know. But you thought, <laughs> like, <laughs> holding something in her yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah. Like a thing here or I know, something. that's, yeah. that's well, kind of, like, most of the female superheroes are white characters. Yeah. So. yeah. And so yeah, that and idea of, like, yeah. exactly, yeah. that's, like, this idea, right? Patriarchal yeah. idea of white oh, okay. women being, like, super skinny and okay so that's yeah. so, so I wanted yeah so I wanted her a little so I said you know soften her up a little bit I, I sent him a couple of pictures of what of what I was thinking in terms of hair, you know, hair-wise. And then yeah, I, like, I said on my photo. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I did. He had no idea what I looked like, which was actually kind of funny. And then I sent him a picture of a strap dress, a Woodlands uh, strap dress. Because, you know, when you go to powwows and you see the, the traditional ladies and they have the beautiful long fringes mm-hmm. and all of that. Yeah, I, that was my first outfit. So impractical for a Woodlands Indian to wear stuff like that. Like, you try walking through those woods with three foot fringes on your sleeves. It's not happening. And this is your background? Yeah, okay. so I'm Woodlands. Yeah. Um, you come out with every thistle. I know. What well, get, like, get stuck. Yeah. Okay, what yeah. does that mean, Woodlands Indian? Um, like the woodlands all around the Great Lake. Okay, so, as, so any nation, as opposed to plains. Okay. Is it like oh, okay. the like the plains nations, like the Cree, the Blackfoot, the Lakota? The, those are all plains nations. So the Ojibwe, the uh, the different Haudenosaunee nations, uh, the Mi'kmaq, those are all woodlands because we lived in the woods, literally in the woods, the woodlands, yeah. woodlands, yeah. yeah so yeah. so we're woodlands nations, okay. and so com- yeah, so those long fringy outfits completely impractical for woodlands. People. Morning stars got things morning, to do. Morning stars yeah, got things to do. So yeah, so the strap dress. It, that's what our grandmothers would have worn and it's kind of knee length with and the sleeves are removable because sometimes it gets hot yeah <laughs> so I sent him that picture and so what he came back with he'd softened her up and had you know she, and, and you know her braid softer and the outfit is kind of strap dressy Okay. Cool. You know, because she's got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's got she's got things to do. And then mm-hmm. he sent it to a colorist. So that was kind of... But anyway, yeah, so I had this whole backstory. Because I like the idea of transforming, of taking a story that is one way that we've always been told. And I think maybe that's a bit of trickster as well, which is why I like superheroes. And then shifting it, give it a different meaning. And I think that's similar to all of these mm. stories is we've got this kind of monolithic idea mm-hmm. of what trans people are like, of what Iranian people are like, of what's happening in Palestine, you know, what all these different mm-hmm. people are like and what all their different situations are like. And these stories all turn it and they make it personal. And I mean, I can't personally, I can't hear anything about what's happening in somebody else's life and not immediately start connecting it to all the different systems that they interact with all mm. the way up to whatever stupid thing Justin Trudeau said last week. Mm-hmm. You, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, you know, my poor husband just wants to watch a movie and he says, uh-huh. I want to watch this movie. Do you want to hear about how it's racist? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you have to turn the feminism and the like. So, okay, I have a couple of follow-up questions. Okay. So, like, what was the uh, impact on you having created or co-created your own superhero? I love her. Like, when he sent her to me, I recognized her. Wow. She was, he was, I was like, this, like, she's so perfect. Like, mm. she's absolutely, she's absolutely perfect. I think she looks like me if mm. I, you know, lost a little weight, maybe. But I think he captured me really well mm. in her. Mm. And she is 
the face of my fundraiser. She's not the face of the podcast because, yeah, there's me and Carrie, and so we just kind of put our faces side by side as if the two halves. So the two halves kind of make a whole. So we kind of did that with it. Um, Eventually, she'll have her Afro-Mystic superhero, and then we'll change the logo. (laughs) That's how she she identifies as an (laughs) Afro-Mystic. Yeah, she's hilarious. How did it impact you as your own person? Oh, okay. I think she's a goal. She's somebody, she's somebody that I want to be more like. Mm. She's something, and maybe that's why I haven't written her story yet. Mm. Because I do have, like, I did have to think through, like, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like, a couple of long, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, messages to Jay about what her, you you know, deep you know kind of a detailed backstory for her because he needed a detailed backstory which I don't know why he needed a detailed backstory but he did mm-hmm. <laughs> so um but I think maybe that's why I haven't written anything yet because I'm not there yet mm-hmm. okay so I'll, t- I'll tell you her backstory so her backstory so she's in the house so she's kind of an indoor girl <laughs> she likes being inside sewing doing stuff um she has a dog and the dog, she lets the dog outside. She lives in the woods, kind of like I do, because she's me. Um, so she lives out in the woods. You know, she, you know, her house is surrounded by woods, and the dog goes out into the woods, and she hears um, fighting, like the dog's fighting with something, and the like horrible growling, snapping, like it, it's. So she's she's afraid for her dog. So she goes out and then finds her dog is being attacked by what she thinks at first is a wolf, turns out to be Nana Bush, because I'm Ojibwe, so of course it's Nana Bush. (laughs) And then she winds up brawling with Nana Bush. (laughs) Because he has tricked her out into the woods. He's tricked her out of the house, because he's been trying, it turns out he's been trying to get her attention for a while, and he did did this, like he terrified her to get her out of, and Nana Bush is kind of a jerk. He's like Joe. Nana Bush is don't don't ever think that Nana Bush. Yeah, don't ever think that Nana Bush is some kind of mythical Jesus figure. He's not. He's a he's an asshole at times. Jesus is also. He's a bit of a. Yeah, he's also a bit of a trickster. Like bingo master. Yes, also also that also that or um you know like a hot motorcycle riding guy in motorcycles and sweetgrass. But that guy's also a jerk. Yeah. So yeah. So she. Yeah, that's unfortunately true. So so she winds up brawling with Nana Bush because now she's mad at him, but she won't listen to what he's trying to tell her because Mm -hmm. tricksters always come with a message. There's they they come for a purpose to disrupt your life, and it's because you're stuck. Mm -hmm. You know, you're stuck. You're stuck, and you know, you're stuck as a community, as an individual, as a nation. You're you've gotten stuck, and so the trickster comes. And a trickster can do a lot of damage in that disruption, right? Mm-hmm. Because if if your experience, if the community is really traumatized, then that disruption can be really destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, so the trickster comes and he, and he disrupts, and so he she won't listen, and so eventually he throws her up into the sky, and so she kind of gets stuck, and that's how she becomes the morning stars. Now she's stuck oh. up in the sky, but now she can see everything. Now she sees what's happening. She sees what's going on in her community and with her family and with everybody. And in, in the Ojibwe traditions, um, we have uh, the Wendigo, which is a monster who is, is a cannibalist monster. Um, and if the Wendigo bites you but doesn't eat you, then you become... And so you start consuming, and it's kind of this voracious hunger. And, and a lot of people see parallels with contemporary society, with the way we live today, and this kind of 
conspicuous Two. consumption. Right. We have, you know, so there's always layers of, of lessons and stuff like that. And so then she sees, because mm-hmm. now she's up, and she sees what's happening. So then she kind of has a choice to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a so she's story. Yeah, right? It's, it's a really, really cool, cool story. story. Oh, God, I got this that. really great kernel, so I'm interested to see, like, yeah. what's going to happen. What happens? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, what hasn't she been seeing, or what has she been kind of, like... Yeah, know, this is an awesome, like, advertisement people. for, like, the next graphic novel. <laughs> 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 it hasn't even been yeah. written yeah. yet. You have to look for it. But I think, in a lot of ways, that's... I mean, that's my own story, too, right? Is I'm... I'm seeing, and once you see, you can't unsee. You start seeing it everywhere. You start seeing Mm -hmm. how all of these different things are connected. It's like unlearning that mainstream way of understanding Mm -hmm. things. Yeah, but then, but there's still in my life a little bit of powerlessness to do anything about that yet. Mm. So, I think it's interesting, like how you're using a lot of this like mythology that you know most people, you know, as as a settler, like I don't know all all the all the mythology, right? The tradition in comic books where there's like a lot of uh, Greek mythology and things like that that are are brought in, um, and it's used quite a bit, like stuff, right? Yeah, I want to read more about it, right? And there's so so much potential even in the creation of what's your co-host's name again? Carrie. Carrie. Yeah, like there's just. I don't know, it sounds like cool, like where could these stories bump into each mm-hmm. other? Yeah, the Afro-mystic. Yeah. <laughs> Joe did that in his text as well. Like, there's this assumption in Palestine that we, we had this previous knowledge. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That, we, that we had previous knowledge uh, of what he was talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And so we we're encouraged to... Um, <laughs> are you the cutest baby ever? <laughs> we're encouraged to like look that up, just like you're curious yeah. to learn more, mm-hmm. right? You're, so um, wh- why, what do you think about the pairing? Or the bringing together of these four texts. Unfortunately, I think one of the things is like trauma, but it's like how to get through trauma. And I mean, even your superhero mm-hmm. is like is gonna. Yeah. To me, it's like she she doesn't want to see things. So there's mm-hmm. something traumatic happening there. Yeah. That her journey with you know some of these um, mythological characters are gonna are gonna mm-hmm. you know help her see things mm-hmm. right um, and help her understand and and and, mm-hmm. and we're gonna hold on to who we are yes mm-hmm. we're gonna know who we are and we're gonna be true to that yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because otherwise you're otherwise you've become a al- you've become aligned with whoever the power structure is yes mm-hmm. right as soon as you step away from knowing who you are you've become aligned with the power structure yes. mm-hmm. The yeah. resilience. You see the yes. resilience, yeah. right? There's all the these, word. Yeah. <laughs> so all these texts are focusing on that, that journey through trauma and the resiliency. I feel a sense of, of gratitude for these authors taking the time to share mm-hmm. their stories. And maybe they weren't doing it necessarily to share for the sake of other people, but because they needed to for their own processing. But I don't know, just as a receiver, I think, yeah, the intimacy that we talked about like going into these people's personal lives um, or, you know, into streets that I maybe will never be able to go to or whatever helps me understand maybe a little bit more of other people's journeys or have at least awareness. And yeah, so I'm just grateful that they exist Mm -hmm. and And that the authors have and maybe even taken risks, right, to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. Like even, you know, I teach uh, video game studies and, um, you know, I talk about representation with students and authors are like, well, like, I don't care who the protagonist is as long as the game is fun to play. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yes, but you also have like a bunch of characters that you can relate with in some way that, you know, I had to wait, you know, decades before those happened Mm -hmm. for me, right? Because there just weren't women in video games because of the assumption that Mm -hmm. girls didn't really play video games, Mm -hmm. right? 
and and then hopefully like if you're if you're a creator of media or books mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you're creating that helps you you know wheedle out your own assumptions mm-hmm. right helps make things richer helps make things that more people can connect to instead of less mm-hmm. right like i mean look at all the people who went to see wonder woman captain marvel people were like eh, like why do we need this and it made huge money and now or black all, panther yeah mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. like, like oh maybe we should be making these movies about different people because really like i want to hear those stories because I'm bored with the other ones, right? Like, I've heard the straight white guy story, and they're not that different, right? There's yeah. like. Both. How many different characters can Harrison Ford play? Yeah. yeah. He is always Harrison Ford. <laughs> right. I want to see those differences, and mm-hmm. because I want to understand mm-hmm. the complexity and the richness of, of, of people, yeah. right? I do that on Twitter. Yeah. I yeah. deliberately seek out people who aren't like me. Yeah. And I follow them, and if they make me uncomfortable, that's. Well, why am I uncomfortable with yes. this? Yeah. You know, and so I, I use my mm. uh, my social media that way very intentionally in terms of who I'm choosing to follow. Mm. Nobody yeah. warned me how expensive Ooh, Twitter yeah. would be. I bought so <laughs> many books. Nobody warned me. Because, yeah, these people, like, I follow these like, people intentionally. Every time I go on Twitter, I have to make another urban script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, because, and then they mention these books, or they're writing yeah. this book. And or, then you want to support them. And, and, then I, and then it's like, now I'm buying this book because I want to understand this more. Oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. And that's right. why I'm also, for me, doing these conversations on all different ways of interpreting, like, what sexuality and spirituality means to every single individual Mm -hmm. I have the privilege of having access to such diverse people and I have beautiful Mm -hmm. conversations with them but not everyone has that you know and Mm -hmm. so to try to make accessible or available yeah just a plethora of stories for people to kind of like listen to in you know in their rooms or in their you know their drives to work I think is well it's an honor for me so actually again thank you but yeah it's also to kind of help support just the sharing of, of stories um, yeah. for people to be able to listen to someone who's not like them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and learn something different or have solidarity. I was just thinking a couple of things like as we are kind of like leaning towards wrapping it up is I'm thinking about how much fun it is to read graphic novels. So mm-hmm. even remember, the intense ones, mm-hmm. even the intense ones. Yeah, it's like such a it's such an interesting way to learn about things. And mm-hmm. also we're talking about how this is these are like feminist texts, but really they're anti-racist oh, texts and they're decolonial mm-hmm. texts. Yes. Like they're all they're not white spaces, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, like, mm-hmm. we've got, like, this indigenous superhero, we're looking at Iran, we're looking at Palestine, yeah, yeah. we're looking at Vivek and, and, and her experience, mm-hmm. right? So queer theory, mm-hmm. right, is being utilized there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then I also had this quote that I was thinking about. Yes. So, and this is, like, the blurb from the professor's syllabus. It says, um, so bitchlet, like chicklet, was originally a pejorative term for work by women for women, right? And often used to dismiss fiction that was openly critical of the contemporary or historical social status of women. And that's kind of what we were talking about, right? And then um, saying that this term was reappropriated by this woman, Mary Sherratt. They talk about uh, how there's this new genre featuring female ah. anti-heroes who are mad, bad, and dangerous to know. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah I'm excited bad. to get to know yeah. your anti-heroes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> get some t-shirts mad and, and bad. Cool. <laughs> Kyra can dress up as her for Halloween. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this has been great. Yeah. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah. We've really tackled good. those four areas, like looking at like what is a feminist text but really how it's about intersectionality right mm. the strength of all these texts is it's not just a feminist text right yeah using intersectionality 
And then um, we looked at content, so being asked to like rethink mainstream representations, right? And then what does it mean to represent the self or the other? Yeah. And then the form, right? We spent a lot of time thinking about the form of how the comics do this, right? With different, when when the material is presented through a graphic narrative. Mm -hmm. So good job, everybody. Good job. Good job. Yeah. 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 conclusion. Yeah. Thank you. Massive thank you today to Julie, to Patty, and especially to Jody Lynn for getting us together to have such an informative conversation. I know that I am definitely now not done reading graphic novels, so thank you for bringing that back into my life in such a rich way. And be sure to check out Patty's podcast, Medicine for the Resistance, with her podcast partner, Carrie. An important listen, and also keep your eye out for Morning Star. Dun 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 gonna happen (laughs) also be sure to check out body and wine podcast instagram at body and wine podcast and like and share as you please